the Gucci girl, Prada professional, coach queen, or target trendsetter. No matter how you describe her, she's the most powerful consumer in the country. Cranberry Radio proudly presents Purse Strings. Join marketing to women expert Maria Retan, chief storyteller at Styled Retail, as she chats with those in the know so that your business can grow. Now, please welcome our host of Purse Strings, Maria Retan. Good afternoon and welcome to Purse Strings. I'm Maria Retan. Thanks so much for joining me today. You can catch Purse Strings right here every Tuesday at 3 o'clock Eastern Time. Each and every week, you'll learn how you and your company can corner the market on the most powerful consumer in the country, the 51% of us who control more than 80% of all the spending, the woman. Well, first up, an article by Lori Sullivan on Facebook losing a little bit of ground to Pinterest. I don't know if any of you are surprised by that. I certainly was. I thought Facebook was the big Goliath of everything. But apparently, Pinterest is continuing to grow at a steady clip, especially with the number of visitors on its site who are clicking and sharing content. According to eMarketer, Pinterest is expected to grow over 9% this year to reach 69 million U.S. users versus uh, the 58 million that they thought uh, Pinterest was going to grow true to last year. So it's, it's over indexing what they had anticipated. They're gaining ground in almost every age group, especially those adults 35 to 44. And, uh, but they're also seeing teens as a, as an emerging market as well. And more men are starting to use, uh, the, the social platform, uh, even though women still definitely dominate. Uh, We are seeing that, of course, Facebook does continue to be huge. 171.4 million people in the U.S. use Facebook. That's trending up nearly 3% year over year. And smartphone use of Facebook is definitely up as well. Um, Page views on Facebook, though, are declining, which is interesting. And it could be a shift to the app use and a shift to younger audiences using new social platforms. At least that's what they're estimating. So anyway, if you're um, a marketer and you're thinking about Pinterest, know that it's definitely on the uptick. It continues to grow. And in some cases, it's outpacing Facebook in some regards. Our first profile today is the Kate Spade Shopper, a woman 35 years old, mom of three, married with a household income of more than 60 k uh, she's very fashion aware. She reads a ton of fashion magazines, and every season she does buy new fashions. She likes to be unique and stand out in the crowd, and not only her clothing, but her car should express her personality. She says she's very optimistic about her life. She's happy with her standard of living, and she doesn't try to worry too much about the future. She's out there trying to uh, have her experiences. She likes adventure and doing things on the spur of the moment. Therefore, she loves novelty and change, and she does love to indulge those children. Like I said, she has about three. Our retailers that she loves are Kohl's and Nordstrom, Old Navy Pier 1, Pottery Barn, and Creighton Barrel. She drives a Toyota, a Volkswagen, or a Chrysler. And um, when it comes to publications, she loves parenting, Cosmo, good housekeeping people, in style and glamour. Um, she's watching a variety of different shows. Uh, Bravo, E, Lifetime, HGTV are all big with her. My guest today knows a lot about the Henrys. These are high earners, not rich yet, mass affluent, which our purse strings demographic today would definitely fall into. Pam Danziger 
is internationally recognized for her expertise on those Henrys that I talked about. She founded Udemy Marketing back in 1992 and has been leading with research to provide brands with actionable insights into the minds of those profitable customers. Uh, she was named Luxury Daily's Luxury Woman to Watch in 2013. And she's also a member of the Leaders in Luxury and Design panel recognized by the Home Trust International. She writes a ton, and she's also a blogger, but you may know her from her books, Home for Henry's, Meet the New Customers, Home Decor Marketers Are Searching For, and just last year, her latest book, Shops That Pop, Seven Steps to Extraordinary Retail Success. It reveals the secrets to crafting a retail shopping experience that's irresistible to those high-value shoppers. And that's exactly what we're going to be talking about today with Pam when she joins me after the break. So stick around. Purse Strings returns in just a moment. Purse Strings. We'll be right back after a word from our advertisers. Do you look at the task of ranking your site at the top of the search engines like you would climbing the top of Mount Everest? It doesn't have to be. TopSEOs.com knows how hard that climb can be, and they can make top ranking a reality. Top SEOs sends you to only the right search vendors and agencies that they know will work for you. Since 2002, TopSEOs.com has reviewed and researched the best search engine marketing agencies and solutions providers. Don't risk the... Do you have cold, hard cash burning a hole in your pocket? Let Cranberry Radio lighten your load. Just hand us that burdensome dinero, and we'll get you set up with your very own radio show. We produce, edit, and amplify the show. All you have to do is show up. It's time for you to make an impact. We're glad to help. Just hand over the cash. Space is limited. So contact us now at sales at cranberry.fm. Add some Cranberry Radio podcast to your playlist as part of a better profit margin. Cranberry Radio. It's it's good for you. Really. Her Strings is back with the inside track on today's women. Once again, here's Maria Retan. Welcome back. Uh, joining me today is Pam Danziger. She's an internationally uh, recognized expert in reaching the world's most influential consumers. In fact, you may have heard of the Henrys, the high earners, not rich yet mass affluent, and she certainly knows all about the Henrys. She founded Unity Marketing back in 1992 and has led uh, research to provide brands with the most actionable insights into the minds of their most profitable customers. Uh, Pam's on multiple panels, has been accoladed from some of the top awards, and um, is a prolific writer and blogger. In fact, her latest book is called Shops That Pop, Seven Steps to Extraordinary Retail Success, and that's one of the many reasons I'm thrilled to have Pam on the show today. Welcome back, Pam. It's good to be with you again, Maria. So happy to have you back. It's been a while, and um, it's gosh, it's, it's been a wild ride for retail these last couple of years, too, and I know you're, you're digging deep into all things affluent market, and we're going to get into some of those details here in a minute, but Talk a little bit about what this year is holding for Unity Marketing. 
Well, you know, I'm looking at it as a very positive year, and I, I attribute it to the Trump bump, which a lot of people are talking about. But since I focus my research on the affluent, which are people at the top 20% of U.S. households, which starts at about $100,000 today, so it's and they're not what you would call rich, but they're certainly doing better than 80% of, uh, of the rest of, of the country. My focus is on these affluents, and they are the ones who seem to be gaining a lot of momentum from you know, the stock market over 20,000 uh, points and, and so on. So I think you know, they are, they're poised to start spending more, and as a result, you know, the clients and the companies that, that I work with are poised, too, to want to get, you know, get some of that, that growth. Well, and I, I know a lot of retailers out there. It, it's been a it's a, been a challenging time for them the last several years. And every time there is a presidential election, retailers are holding their breath. Right? They don't know right. if it's going to be good for them or bad for them. Right. Earlier this year, just gosh, several weeks ago, you sh- you were at the NF- NRS Retail's big show where you shared uh, a presentation called "Make Retail Personal." Um, talk a little bit about how the show was this year and, and if you had any big ahas com- coming out of uh, the big show. Well, you know, if you haven't attended the NRF show, it's held at Javits, so it's a huge um, convention facility, and it's just filled with technology companies, all kinds of companies trying to get the latest and greatest technology into retailers' um, space. So that's the, the audience. But what my talk was about was about the secret, uh, the, the, the recipe, the, the secret power of specialty retailers, which is to be personal and it's the power of face-to-face, one-on-one retail. So it's like totally opposed or, you know, at the opposite end of the spectrum from all this technology. And and as I say, I, I feel that so many retailers and, and the big ones as well as the small ones, but the big ones especially have missed the mark by understanding it's not, you know, how much technology you have in, in your store. It's not about, you know, how well you manipulate big data. It's really about the salespeople on the sales floor, really making a connection with consumers. And, you know, Macy's is closing 100, they've announced closing 100 stores this year. And I think that the the problem is they really have ignored that personal face-to-face retail opportunity. Yeah, I I couldn't agree with you more. Um, You know, uh, many people have said since the announcement of Macy's closing that, you know, they would often walk into a Macy's store and they could never find anyone to help them. And when they did, they they weren't extremely helpful. And I do believe that that has had, I agree with you, that's had a huge impact uh, on their inability really to stay in business in the way that they wanted to. And the irony of, of your um, presentation is that, you know, Today, I think consumers are getting used to a transactional type of shopping experience. Look at Amazon. Um, we know that right now, of the 3 to 4% expected retail growth this year, um, more than half of that is going to be online. Only 1% is estimated to be at an actual brick-and-mortar store. So we're kind of fighting upstream. But for those retailers that do have a brick-and-mortar uh, to your point, it needs to be highly personal. In fact, you talk about the four P's, product, place, price, and promotion, as the new standards of retailing. Um, you, you're suggesting that they, re, that they be replaced by the four E's. Talk a little bit about the four E's. 
Right. Well, you know that that the the four E's are are around the idea of, of creating a customer experience. And it, it was a, a term, a phrase invented by a, a consultant or an advertiser working for Ogilvy and Mather. And, you know, one of the things about the four P's that we've clinged to is it's very simple, product, place, price, promotion. The four E's are also a simple idea where experience replaces price, that every place becomes pr- place. Price is now replaced by the idea of exchange, and promotion is now is now fun- a function of evangelism, getting word of mouth and, and reaching out and, and really engaging your customers in an evangelistic sort of way. So I've been you know very focused on these four E's, and the reason is you know the, the consumers have disrupted this whole four P's marketing cycle because they really are demanding and they've moved on. They want something more, and Retailers are caught by thinking and captured by the idea that retail is all about selling product. And today, retail is a people-based business. It's a, it's a people business. Yes, people come to the store because they want product, but to your point, you can buy everything you possibly could need um, from your computer screen or your tablet through Amazon. So to go to the store and to actually engage in shopping is a decision that you make, not because you need to go buy a product, but that you need, you're looking for another kind of, you're looking for a shopping experience. So my message to retailers and the one that's in my my new book, Shops at Pop, is really about, it's not so much anymore what we sell. Today, it's about how we sell it. And that's, you know, the idea that that the secret weapon of person-to-person retail is about really understanding your customers and getting up close and personal to them. Yeah, so that personal touch really is everything. So how can retailers make that experience highly personal with the guests that come into their stores? Well, it it starts with knowing them. It starts with engaging them. It starts with looking them in the eye and really structuring, again, the whole shopping experience and the way you organize your store and the way you arrange it and the way you display product around the needs of your customer, not your needs as a retailer to sell more stuff. One of the biggest things that I, I see happen over and over and over again with retailers is, again, they kind of, they think they're in a product business and so they spend all of their time worrying about the product. They spend their time in the back room ordering product and looking at product and, <laughs> and evaluating product. And, you know, if, if that, where they need to focus is on the sales floor, looking at their customers because it's a people business now. So the product is really secondary to the people. So retailers, my, my best advice is get out of that back room. You can hire somebody to do the bookkeeping and to, you know, to select product and so on. Where you need to be focusing your attention is on the customer experience, interacting with the customers, and then modeling that behavior for your sales, your sales associates who are on the floor too, because, you know, some, they don't know how to do it. Training is hard to do, but you can model it and show it and, and be there. So I, I really recommend retailers get out of the back room and onto the sales floor and they will see their sales really grow because nobody's a bigger evangelist for your store than you are as the <laughs> owner yourself. 
That's right. That's exactly right. Because you created that store for a reason, right? And it's not just yeah. to make money, because goodness knows, a lot of retailers aren't making money. Um, well, it usually isn't about making money. I mean, that, that's, <laughs> that's right. It's not, that's yeah. right. Not these days. No. Uh, you talk about NMO, Neighbor Memory Opportunities. Share more about that. Well, that came from my co-presenter at the NRF, which was Brent Ridge, who who is uh, one of the Beekman boys who runs Beekman 1802, and that's one of the shops that popped that I profile in my book. And if you know Beekman at all, they don't call their customers or friends <coughs> customers, they call them neighbors. And that's very important to them because it's, it, it really, it, it's an interesting psychology, but the way, what you call your customers or your shoppers or, you know, the people that come in your store, it really sets up kind of your expectation for them. And customers sound so transactional and so, um, you know, so marketing oriented and neighbors sounds like we're all in this together. So there's a sense of, mm-hmm. of neighborliness and community, but they evaluate everything they do from the point of view of NMO. Can that or whatever we want to do, will that create a neighbor memory opportunity? And what that is, is is it going to really make an impression? Is it going to really create a memory in in their neighbors' minds that will may, be memorable and you know really imprint itself on 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 that person? And I think it's just a brilliant idea because again, it touches on the experience, it touches on the evangelism, it really it it touches on the personal nature of what retail is all about taking away from the focus on product to the focus on the shopper's experience. Mm-hmm. I loved what you said about what we call our customers, right? Really helps to describe our intention. And I was, um, I spoke at the American Booksellers Association convention here in Minneapolis a few weeks ago, and I was uh, my partner and I were doing a, bra- uh, a session on culture, store culture, and mm-hmm. we kept calling the customer the guest, the guest. Right. And at the end, uh, a member of that organization raised their hand and said, I, I, I'm not comfortable calling them a guest. I'm not comfortable with that. They're a customer. And <laughs> we had a similar dialogue about yeah. that uh that, yeah, so then you're very transactional then, right? Yeah, With, yeah, uh, sure. Very transactional, and that is that is only going to get you so far, that if a person feels like a guest in your store and you are treating them like a guest, that's a completely different feeling. So I, I really totally support that. What you call them um, is, is so indicative of how you're going to end up treating them and the kind of experience that they're going to end up having. And then that places you in a new position. If they're your guest, then you're the host or the hostess. And it really becomes, I mean, I again, that's part of the idea of get out of the back room. Create a party atmosphere in your store. Like every day, it's a yeah. party. And you're the host or hostess. And the way you treat people is so different if, you, if you're thinking in those terms. You're here to make them enjoy themselves, you know, and if they pick up a product because they want that, you know, that that memory, the product they buy might is really in very much, very many ways, a tangible memory Mm -hmm. that they take with them. That's right. And that's what's going to bring them back again. Right. We want repeat customers, not just the one. Well, 
Yeah. Um, as part of that discussion, we talked about the importance of values that drive culture and that culture drives brands, right? And right. Uh, and that, that brand is really about a story, right? There's a story around what makes your store special. Would, would you agree kind of with that, that it kind of begins with values and culture um, and that kind of perpetuates itself throughout the, the retailer? Right. I, I couldn't agree with you more. And, you know, my book, I need... It talks about, you know, 17 different retailers, shops at pop that have created a culture in their store, which is, you know, again, only part and part, it's only partly about being a retailer, but it's more about being engaged in the community. Um, uh, Beekman 1802 is a perfect example of one of those stores, but so is, uh, we, we have in, in where I live in, in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania, a place called Kitchen Kettle Village, and that's an entire shopping village filled with specialty stores, but it started with a pickle stand from uh, an a Amish or Mennonite woman's uh, garage where she was making pickles. So, you know, it's, it, and it's become a real, uh, a really integral part of, of the Lancaster County community and a place that visitors always want to go when they come here. It's so important to think beyond, you know, your four walls, out into the community. How can you reach out and really engage those neighbors, those guests, invite them in and, and become part of their life in a real and meaningful way? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, I know you have much more to share on this topic. We're going to have to take a very quick break, but when we come back, Pam Danzerger is going to continue to talk about What are the dynamics that make for compelling retail success these days at a time where it's hard to be a retailer? So everybody stick around more when Purse Strings returns after the break. Purse Strings. We'll be right back after a word from our advertisers. Is your website hacked? Is your website displaying error messages or loading slowly? Even if there are no signs of malicious activity, your site may still be compromised. Websites, like cars, require regular maintenance to perform at their best and not leave you stranded. At Fjorge, our website maintenance experts can help you assess which one of our maintenance plans will best support your needs. Visit FjorgeDigital.com or call 612-877-3840 and get the support and protection your website and business deserve. That's F-J-O-R-G-E digital.com. Looking for a white-label SEO and social platform for your clients? Think eBrands. Free and unlimited SEO audit reports. eBrands. Premium Facebook apps and welcome page creators. eBrands. Twitter management app, analytics, and mobile site generators. eBrands. Let eBrands manage your search and social media campaigns and give you and your clients access to their white-label dashboard, which have great reports that will wow your clients and deliver great ROI and results. Try eBrands for 30 days. Go to eBrandsWithAZ.com or call 1-866-625-5717. That's eBrandsWithAZ for eBrands. More refreshing talk radio on air and on demand 24-7. Only on Cranberry Radio. Her Strings is back with the inside track on today's women. Once again, here's Maria Retan. 
Welcome back. I've been chatting today with Pam Danziger, a frequent guest here on First Strings. You know her as a speaker, author, and market researcher. She's the founder of Unity Marketing, and she's also a prolific author. Her latest book is called Shops That Pop, Seven Steps to Extraordinary Retail Success, and we've been talking about some of her great insights from that book and also from uh, the NRF big show where she spoke on um, making retail personal. And uh, merchandising is critical, isn't it, Pam? It, it kind of helps set the stage for an experience we've been talking about, creating that experience and weaving the story of who you are and, and why you're special throughout the store. Can we really underestimate merchandising these days? Well, you know, I guess uh, merchandising is a verb. Uh, merchandise is a noun. And I think that the danger is putting more emphasis on the product, the, the merchandise, than on the merchandising, which is not about what you sell, but how you sell it. So my, I, I, when we talk about that word, it, it kind of gets me concerned because I think it overplays the importance of product. And really, it's about that merchandising experience, which is you know, everything about, you know, your store, the way the stories that you tell, the way you display the products, the way you change it up, um, it really is very important to the retail experience for the shopper because they are making a choice to come shopping. But again, I think there's a danger there to put a little bit too much emphasis on merchandise. For example, retailers always tell me, well, if if my vendors would just give me exclusive rights to my, the product in you know my town or my my trading area, then all my problems would be solved and I would you know would be very successful. But that's again assuming people are coming to the store looking for product, and that isn't the case because all they have to do is go on their in the internet and they can find product anywhere, anytime, any place, and at any price today. So it really isn't about the product; it's about creating creating presentations of the product in a compelling and exciting way. Yeah, exactly. Telling that story through compelling imagery and product displays. But, you know, that that story, that experience, you know, you have to get people to get to your store to have the experience. So, in large part, part of our job as retailers is to help share that story outside of our four walls through marketing, social, PR, those kinds of things. Talk a little bit about how you see those vehicles helping create the experience or setting the stage for the experience, and do you think any one of them is more impactful than another? Well, in, in you know, we, when we talk about those four E's and, and replacing the four P's, I mean, promotion is a traditional four P's model of marketing, which is is about pushing out, you know, sending out the message. Evangelism is the new E that replaces promotion, and that's about drawing people in. So the, the thing that you want to do with your promotions and your marketing communications is to create curiosity. Because curiosity is a very powerful motivation for shoppers. You want to, want to create sort of a curiosity, make them curious about coming in and meeting you, coming in and figuring out and seeing what you are all about. So curiosity is what you want to do, and word of mouth is the most powerful way you can do that. Um, and I, I think too often we look at 
the techniques like social media and and you look at that as a tactic as opposed to a strategy. So the the message is not sort of like oh, we got this this great new product. It should be something that goes out on social media that gets people talking. It's news that customers can use. One of the shops in my book uh, is called Godfrey's. It's a, it's a pet um, a pet boutique for pet products. Now, the owner of that store sends out messages every time there's a pet food recall, and there's a lot of them, she sends out messages to her her community of followers through social media and email and so on, notifying them of these these recalls. Now, she sends out recalls not for, not for product that she sells, for any product, because pets' health and well-being is her number one priority. And that's the kind of... That's the kind of news that your customers can use that really makes a difference. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's a value, right? It's something that uh, helps to foster their loyalty because, again, it's a valuable communication. And you're being in relationship, again, right. with that right. with and, that gift. And she's showing her loyalty. She's displaying in a concrete, meaningful way her loyalty to her customers. And, again, it's not come and buy my dog food. It is... You need to know about this because you've got to make sure you're not feeding your, your pet something that's going to harm them. Mm-hmm. I want to touch on something you mentioned a little earlier about the employees and how the owner of the store should be out front modeling the right kind of guest interaction and service that, that's required these days to create that experience. But, you know, I think one of our hardest challenges in retail is finding those just right employees, right, who right. aren't transient, who can, who are willing to understand the stories that you need to share within your store and how to engage the guest. Um, right. Talk a little bit about, you know, and maybe you have tips on who are the right kinds of people we need to be looking for to recruit into our stores to service our guests. Well, one of the retailers that I, I profile in Shops at Pop, Covered Tree Corners, told me that like 80% of her sales staff, and she has two stores and it's growing, 80% of her sales staff have come from her customer base. People who really love her store and engage with her store, and she's recruited them to come in and work in the store. And it's not so much for them, it's not so much the, the amount of money they get on an hourly basis, it's the discount they get on the products that, that really draws them. <laughs> and, and I think sometimes retailers might be shy about... Um, uh, you know, trying to convert a, a customer, you know, a guest into an employee. But you know, you might be do you might be doing yourself a big disservice because they're the most engaged and active if they really love your store. Um, another thing I think that is really important is that we oftentimes look for people who have sort of some sort of experience with product or, you know, knowledge of product. And, you know, I think of jewelry stores as an example, but, you know, technology stores are the same way. Kind of, you look for someone who's got sort of that product knowledge and and can sell the product because they know about it. But really the most important quality you need is, is, is a friendly attitude and an open attitude and an extroverted character who can really engage and relate to the customers. You can teach your, your staff. I mean, if they got any, any intelligence at all, you can teach them what they need to know about the product. You can't teach friendliness and openness. So mm-hmm. you really need to look for people who have those personal qualities first and let the product and, you know, that kind of expertise come and, and train them in, in that area. 
We are fastly running out of time, but I, I would love for you to leave our listeners with any wise final words that, that maybe we haven't gotten to, the, or, or something that you feel like is just really vital that they understand. Well, the most important message for any retailer today is their success hinges on not what they sell, but how they sell it. And that is the focus. So it's really a matter of of, of, of understanding the customer and understanding what they need to do to really reach them and engage them and get them excited about coming into the store and being in the store. Absolutely. And, of course, I would uh, suggest that everyone go to unitymarketingonline.com. You can read more about Pam and her wonderful work there. And, of course, that's probably the best place to contact you as well. Right, Pam? There is no question about it, and I, I hope people will read my book, Shops at Pop, because it's, it, it's, you know, but it's really about and it's for specialty independent retailers, and they're, they're the heroes of the story, and, and I think it, it will really provide a lot of value to your retailing um, listeners. Thank you so much. That's right. Shop Step Pop, Seven Steps to Extraordinary Retail Success by Pamela Danziger. Pam, thank you so much for being on the show again today. Thanks, Maria. We're thrilled to have you. And thanks to my producer, George. Join me right here next week for another edition of First Dreams, 3 o'clock Eastern Time. Until then, make it a great one. The opinions expressed are those of the hosts and their guests and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of Cranberry News Marketing and Cranberry.fm. Rebroadcasts or retransmission of this content without proper consent is prohibited 